What's up everyone and welcome to episode 118 of the Justin Insight podcast, a show where we talk to people involved in the world of alternative music and find out what makes them tick. Uh, as always, my name is Tim Burbeck, I am your host. Um, apologies if the sound is a little bit echoey, um, I forgot my normal microphone and I'm actually recording this in my work office after hours when I'm the only one left here, so yeah, apologies, I had to do this a little bit rushed before I went away. Um, which I'll get into straight away, recording this a little bit earlier than normal uh, because I'm heading off on a tour with my good friends in Svalbard who are playing a few dates with uh, Comeback Kid. So if you're at one of the shows, we're doing London, Oxford and Manchester, then come say hi. Um, I'll be the ginger guy behind the merch stand. Um, but yeah, apart from that, as I said, I had a pretty busy run of shows last week. Uh, Colt Leader and Bournemouth were intense, like one of the most sweaty shows I've been to in a long time but it was just they were just intense is the only word to, to describe it like the, their performance just was just grabbed your whole body and just shook you to your, to the core so that was rad uh, This Is Hell was just nostalgic fun um, and then Converge were just absolute beasts probably one of the best times I've seen them And but I say that every single time but they're just they're just a flawless band and they're fucking rad. Um, you'll be able to read a full review of the Converse show on alreadyheard.com pretty soon. Um, also, in kind of not really news, but just something that's sort of been floating around the internet, and if you're a hardcore music fan, which I'm sure you're, you are if you're listening to this show, um, all the, the photos and videos of the Have Heart reunion shows have been kind of coming out, and it's absolutely wild the reaction they've been getting. The, the one that was in Worcester, I'm sorry, I'm sure I've probably pronounced that wrong. I think there was like nearly 10,000 people there, which for a hardcore band is absolutely insane. Um, but yeah, seeing all of this has kind of got me really pumped for when they play Leeds, and I cannot wait to, to see them again. So yeah, I'm really looking forward to that. Um, I'm going to stop babbling. We're going to get on to our guest. Uh, and this one's a bit of a kind of a mini 2003's preview, which is coming up this weekend um, so as we speak to uh, the vocalist of one of the bands which is playing. Uh, my guest this week is Chris Laporto from uh, Can't Swim. We discuss how uh, playing the drums was a huge part of him growing up and getting into music, how uh, a stim playing or trash talk kind of set him up for, for life on the road. And what the quick rise of Can't Swim has kind of been like from the inside, like it's it's been incredible for for them. And and Chris goes into detail about sort of how it's kind of impacted him personally. So yeah, please enjoy the chat that I have with Chris, and I'll see you on the other side. Joining me this week on the Justin Insight podcast is vocalist of punk punk rock band Can't Swim. Chris Laporta. Chris, thank you very much for joining me. Uh, how's everything in your world? Must it, it seems like you guys don't stop at the moment. Yeah, certainly not. I am quite tired. Um, yeah, we got back from your lovely country a few weeks ago, and I've been recording, and then we're headed back in a week or so to go to 2000 Trees. Yeah, it's just... It's a, has it just kind of been coincidence that, that, that the sort of trip over here and then go back and coming back again has happened in such a short space of time um we, we there was some talk about doing like a tour in between to bridge the gap but um i came back to new york to record some songs and it just kind of made more sense for uh us to and we have two shows we play warp tour in the states right okay um at the very end of this month and then head right to england so yep had a you know just racking up the frequent flyer miles, I <laughs> <laughs> Well, as I mentioned before, I kind of hit the, the record button. Obviously, the show is called Justin Insight. I like to take my guests back to their roots, so to say. So um, how I kind of like to, to get the ball rolling is to ask my guests, what was their introduction to alternative music? What was your first exposure of, of kind of that side of the world? Um, my first yeah look into it was uh, my Uncle Mike who was my dad's brother. Mm. Um, he played in a bunch of punk and, like, hardcore bands. Okay. And I would go to my grandma's house, uh, you know, for holiday, and he would be playing down there with his band. And then when I got a little bit older, I guess, like, 10, 11, um, 
yeah, he just started showing me all that stuff. Like, we would go upstairs, and he was just, like, playing me records of, like, all the, the classic hardcore stuff, and it sparked my interest, and I wanted to learn how to play drums, and then, yeah, to be fair, I haven't really looked back since, just <laughs> yeah. always wanted to play music after that. <laughs> so what, what kind of bands was he exposing you to? Um, yeah, I guess, like, Minor Thread and, like, the Gorilla Biscuits and, um... Fear, all like New York City hardcore. Yeah, but you know, obviously he he loved like all types of music. But um, I guess maybe because that was like the most aggressive, intense sound. Like I think I just remember him showing me that stuff. But I'm sure he was showing me a bunch of stuff. Because yeah, knowing him now as an adult, he was very eclectic in his his musical likes. But um, yeah, he, I have a lot to him to thank because. Uh, throughout my life, he's always kind of been my little guide with music. Mm. And you said that he was sort of playing in punk and hardcore bands. So were were they kind of around the same time, like as kind of like early Gorilla Biscuits and stuff like that, or was it sort of a bit earlier than that? No, he was like, yeah, he was doing his thing in maybe like '94. So uh, he, nothing too notable. His his buddies were in bands that were like uh one was called like the pissed they were pretty popular like a connecticut band and he played in this band called the deacons for years um yeah it was more just like the relationship i had with him i never went to go see any of his bands as a young kid i do now as as an adult but um yeah my my parents were into music but not like you said like the independent kind of thing so Mm. it was uh it was more him unlocking the door yeah and then kind of from from there obviously a lot of people they kind of go off on their own tangents exploring bands of their own accord sort of thing so what would you kind of say is the first band that was your own discovery that you'd kind of found off 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 your own back and was your band so to say um so yeah, not to sound like a broken record, but on the flip side, I have another uncle, my yeah. uh, my mom, my mom's brother. He was he was a little different. He was like a freak. He'd like <laughs> paint, paint his nails black, and he came to live with my family while I was a teenager. And he listened to like a lot of like gothic stuff. And okay, I, I don't know if he like specifically would show me things, but I kind of discovered the Cure through him just from like. Um, you know, listening to what he was listening to or, or just kind of uh, doing my own research. And, yeah, that was, that was like, probably the first band that I became, like, you know, I guess, like, obsessed with. Yeah. I, just, I could not get enough. The hardcore stuff obviously stuck, and, you know, I, I enjoyed it for what it was, but I didn't dive as deep into, like, the lyrics and, like, the look and, like, what was going on with the music. Um, so yeah, I would say the Cure was probably like the first one. Mm. And you mentioned obviously that your uncle was a drummer, and that kind of obviously then spurred you on to to learn the drums, sort of thing. So when you were were kind of first learning the the instrument itself, did, had you kind of had an idea of what kind of style of music you wanted to play, or was it just a case of I want to hit something really hard, kind of thing? Yeah, as a kid. And especially the stuff that he was showing me, yeah. It's like, how can I play as fast as the big guys play? But then when high school rolled around and I started learning about all different types of music, actually, I think, yeah, to be honest, it was kind of the complete opposite. I wanted to play as slow as I could play. Okay. You know, just intricate and, you know, really work on my technique. And, yeah, drumming was like a humongous part of my life. I, I took lessons. I taught lessons. It was like my whole universe um sometimes i I would i wouldn't even like go to school because i was like practicing so much i really became infatuated with it Mm. um but yeah just like the drumming world and like rhythm and and all that stuff really just was my spark and was my interest in music um it's the reason why i got so into it yeah and then the other thing that i always kind of like to to ask is because you're from New Jersey now, but did, did you grow up in the New Jersey area? So I spent, uh, like, the first four or five years of my life in Brooklyn, I right. think. Um, and then we moved out to New Jersey. But we were it was it's very close. I mean, it's only, like, a 25, 40-minute drive away over a bridge. So. Yeah. Well, because the reason I ask is because I know, 
not so much here in the UK. There's still a little bit, but obviously we're a lot smaller country than than the, than the states. <laughs> but obviously, I know in the states, there's obviously various cities have different kind of scenes and sort of sounds and vibes and things like that. So, when you started exploring, going to shows yourself, like what was that? Those early sort of days of exploring DIY music, like, and did you kind of get a, a feel of how things work? Because obviously, I, I know that New York is known for its for his hardcore sort of stars, so were you going to uh, hardcore shows and things like that? So actually, I, I I was taking drum lessons at like a local music store when I was like twelve or thirteen, and uh, a band who was a little bit older than me like already had like kind of a lineup, and one of the girls in the band actually was uh, taking lessons at the same place, and she was like, "Oh, you know, we need like, a drummer for this thing," and. They contacted me, whatever, blah, 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 blah. It was, my, it, was my, it was my first band, and then we started practicing, and then they called me, and they were like, hey, like, we have a show. And I was like, what? Like, a <laughs> show? Like, what do you, like, Madison Square Garden? Like, what do you mean? Like, I, I had no concept of what you were talking about. Like, yeah, DIY or independent shows or, you know, basement shows. I was just like, what do you mean? Like, this is insane. And then I show up to this place. Obviously, like, my mom dropped me off, and yeah, it was, like, this little little hall, and, you know, 20 people were in there, and, um, but that's, yeah, that's actually how I, the, I mean, I guess, to be honest, the first show I ever went to was uh, a show that I was playing. Oh, wow, okay, that's pretty cool. Yeah, and then I just stuck around, I was like, <laughs> oh, man, there's, like, tons of bands in this area, like, I recognize kids from school, so, um, yeah, it was... Yeah, so ever since I started knowing about shows, I've been playing. Them, <laughs> yeah. And the, so you, I guess that kind of moves us on nicely. Obviously, that was kind of your your sort of first foray into music sort of thing. So obviously drums being, a, as you say, like a huge part of, of your sort of early sort of grounding in, in music sort of thing. Talk me through some of, because obviously now people know you for Can't Swim, but talk me through some of the the earlier bands that you were, were playing and what kind of, sort of styles were they? Um, yeah, I mean, I, so I'm going to age myself a little bit, but <laughs> I was, I was in high school, you know, it was like 2005. Yeah. So, uh, yeah, a lot of bad music was coming about. <laughs> um, a lot of like keyboards and, um, Auto tune, but I, I always like to think that I played in a lot of different bands. I uh, I did play in a hardcore band that even I look back on now that I am fond of the recordings. Um, yeah, always kind of didn't really stick to one thing. I just always wanted to play with as many people as I could, especially on the drums. It was easy to fill in. You know, I wasn't like the predominant songwriter yeah. on any of these projects so I could kind of bounce around um, but yeah Jersey is great for that I think because it's so stuck in the middle of New York City and Philadelphia there's just there was even now to this day when I go back home it's like there's so many bands and there's so many um, places to play and it was definitely a very uh, a busy time mm. for music when I was a kid you you mentioned the the hardcore band. What what was is it a band that I might have heard of at all? No, not really. <laughs> <laughs> later in life, later in life, right before Can't Swim, I was playing with Trash Talk, which yeah. is like a pretty traditional hardcore band. But it was actually the reason why I knew those guys. Like we would, they would come to New Jersey, and I would play with them in my, you know, little Jersey band, and we became friends. And then years and years later. Um, we started jamming together but uh yeah i mean it's always been a part of my life yeah shows it seems <laughs> so what would you kind of class as your sort of quote-unquote first proper band like a, ba a band that you were sort of actively like writing recording maybe doing out of town shows what would you class that as to be fair, the, the first thing that I really thought like was significant was was kind of trash talk. Okay. Um, yeah, I mean, I would do little, yeah, like DIY tours, but nothing uh, to the point where there was like catering at the show <laughs> <laughs> and like people were there and like there was like a proper sound check. Yeah. Trash talk, I, I felt pretty thrown into the mix right away, which was great because 
it kind of showed me the ropes a little bit right before I, I joined or you know I started can swim so mm. it was good to have like a little a little bru- a blueprint of what was a what was to come yeah so if we if we stick with that then so how did you kind of come to join trash talk because I remember um oh god now this is going to age me I think it was <laughs> some point in the early 2000s when they they were coming over to the UK like prolifically sort of thing and that there was they were almost more of a UK band than they were a US band sort of thing and I remember seeing them in sort of little venues and then they kind of started growing in popularity so how how did you kind of I guess as you say sort of playing shows but how did you actually physically end up being in that band so um I suppose a four piece yeah like when you were saying like early 2000s and then like maybe almost about five or six years ago now I'm not I'm not too sure one of my best friends in the whole world um his name is Dave he basically joined their band as like the second guitar player he's like an official member um and him and I are very very close and we were making music together working on music together in New York and super last minute um, their drummer couldn't do this like Europe UK tour and I was basically in the room with Dave and he's like hey man something fell through or, you know you want me to swing your name into the hat and, and you know you think you can do it and I was like yeah man I'd love to I'm sure and then actually the first time we ever played together was in Denmark I never oh, wow. really yeah we kind of just it was super super last minute we flew there and we just hit the stage <laughs> <laughs> so you but- were you just sort of like playing along to sort of like the tracks on the album and learning the tracks that way? Yeah, yeah, and because me and Dave flew on the same plane there, yeah, you know, he was kind of like telling me the little transitions and like the little things that they they did differently. And then, yeah, I'm not going to say that the first one or two shows were squeaky clean, <laughs> but, you know, we uh, we made it through. And then it was a long tour; it was probably like thirty or forty shows. And I think it ended with Slam Dunk, which is the two, 2015 Slam Dunk. I okay. Suppose. Yeah. Uh, and then right after that, Can't Swim kind of just really took up all my time. So. Yeah. So you talk me through, like, because obviously, as I said, my experience of Trash Talk is them just being absolutely chaotic in tiny little venues sort of thing. So what was that experience like for you being on, on yeah, the inside? Not much has changed. <laughs> um, yeah, I mean, on stage, they yeah they, they put it all out there, and they have a lot of energy and a lot of heart. Um, but, yeah, like Spencer, he's the bass player. He's one of the nicest dudes I've ever met in my entire life. He's, uh, he's a very caring, intelligent person. Um, so, yeah, you know, obviously, when you become friends with a group of people, you know, it's, it's interesting to see what the rest of the world, like, perceives them as, but, because to me, you know, they're just these goofballs who are, you know, joking around and throwing stuff at each other 90% of the day, yeah. but on stage, you know, people think Lee is this, like, crazy, you know, satanic guy, or whatever it is, you know, but to me, he's just some guy who loves candy bars, you know, so, <laughs> <laughs> yeah, uh, but no, yeah, it was cool, like I said before, um, yeah, it was my first little run-in with doing shows of that size, and, mm. you know, dealing with European promoters, and, you know, it was just like, it was cool to watch from the sidelines, and now that I do my own band, and we go over there all the time, you know, it was it was a good little uh, getting your feet wet. Yeah, and that kind of leads me on to my next question, was that kind of your first experience of, of touring overseas as well? Like uh, that. Uh, so was yeah, that... I had been to Europe once to do a music thing. It was to work with an artist, but never to play shows, and never, you know, to the extent that Trash Talk was doing. So was it a bit of a, a culture shock? Um, yeah, I mean, I wouldn't say a shock. I would say more just like an excitement, you know? Yeah. It's like you kind of feel more like a tourist, and obviously, you know, not to take away from it now, it's... You know, it kind of loses its luster of touristiness. <laughs> yeah. You know, I still love going over there. It's beautiful. Actually, I love England. It's probably my one of my favorite places. Um, but yeah, going to Germany for the first time, playing all these shows and stuff. Yeah, it was, you know, seeing the Berlin Wall. And I was 20, 
95 when this was happening. So, yeah. no, it was awesome. It was uh, something that I'll never forget, probably. I mean, even though Can't Swim gets to do it all the time now, um, I feel like, you know, I'm, I'm a lot more in control and we're very calm collected band yeah. with, with doing it with them it was like oh my god like, are we gonna make it to the fucking show like, <laughs> it was it was four or five weeks of intense but uh very grateful very very cool that it all happened and i guess because where trash talk wasn't necessarily your band do you feel that like that experience with with them kind of gave you a grounding for what would later happen to can't swim because obviously i know in the, the early days can't swim was very much just your baby not really sort of going anywhere but as you say like nowadays you're coming here quite often so did that yeah. kind of give you an early grounding yeah i think it just made me like see how much uh of a network there was out there and even on that tour i became friends with some of the other dudes on on the tour obviously and i played them very very rough very very early demos of the can swim songs and they were like oh man it's like obviously so different from trash talk stuff but you know we really like it and yeah kind of yeah all in all it did give me like the confidence to um see where it could go you yeah. know i saw that there was a place for independent music still and give it a shot and yeah. I, I i mean obviously i never thought can swim would get to the you know and, and, and as quickly as it all happened but yeah it definitely made me kind of just like burnt the fire a little bit you know i was like oh you know when i get home from this like i should really fucking like figure these songs out and finish them up because yeah. you know people want to hear this type of thing and yeah so i got home and that's exactly what happened and if we go go into sort of the early days of can't swim a little bit deeper obviously as you've mentioned drums was kind of your life that's what you grew up with so where did the sort of want to sing and kind of do something a bit different come from? Yeah, um, it, I was right before Trash Talk, I was also teaching at a music school and I was kind of like around music more than I had been in the previous years. And I was like picking up guitars there and I was playing so much. Like I was drumming all the time. I yeah. was teaching, I was playing in Trash Talk. Um, so yeah, I guess maybe it was a sense of getting burnt out a little okay. bit and just wanting a little bit more. And then the initial idea was like, I kind of, I kind of got the music done and like the patterns and the riffs and stuff for the first EP. Um, and I was like, oh, like scoured through like my friend group and I was like, oh, I wonder who I could get to like sing on these songs, you know? Cause like, I never did anything like that and I thought it'd be terrible. And then, <laughs> um, then I started to sing and it was terrible. <laughs> I was just like, <laughs> I think I, I quickly hit a wall where I was like, well, no one's going to want to just like come and like, you know, put a lot of effort into these songs that they had nothing to do with and like kind of just karaoke over it. And so I quickly was just like, oh, like, you know, maybe give it a shot. Mm. Now, this will never leave your laptop. Like, there's no reason to be embarrassed. Yeah. And then <laughs> here we are today. Uh, yeah, I mean, yeah, I guess it was nothing really like, no like poetic story of like, you know, I needed to write what was on my mind. <laughs> yeah. it, was, it was more just being around music and kind of seeing the similarities in the other instruments uh, than to the drums. And I, was, you know, just took a stab at it and here we go. Mm. And in terms of kind of like picking up the guitar, because you'd kind of, I don't know, a lot of people that are maybe in sort of the alternative music world, they have kind of obviously different routings into how they find the instrument whether it be self-taught or they have pr proper music lessons and things like that because you'd had sort of a proper grounding in being taught drums and then went on to be a teacher itself did that kind of transition to picking up a guitar was that easier for you i mean of course i think you know i i would teach little kids anywhere from like five to ten years old and you know, they, they, they can't even tie their shoe. And it's like, here, take this, you know, 20-pound instrument that's like the hand size of what an adult should be. So, yeah, I definitely think I had a little bit of a learning, you know, advantage. Of, I mean, I always, like, I never owned a guitar growing up, but, like, yeah, I always played in guitar-based bands, so they were always around. So I knew a, a few things 
Um, but yeah, it was just, it was honestly just like YouTube and like, um, kind of just sitting there for hours and I, I have logic on my laptop. So I would kind of like hold a chord, press record on the laptop, play it and then switch my hand positioning to like do another one. And, you know, it was very like the building blocks, but once the band actually started playing shows at that point, I've been kind of messing around on guitar for, you know, six to eight months. So. Mm. You know, we're, we're not dragging forth. We're not really doing anything <laughs> too crazy on the guitar, you know? So, yeah, I definitely think starting a new instrument later in my life was, and yeah, being so familiar with music and rhythm and time, you know, I would I would sympathize with somebody who is 28 years old, you know, picking up an instrument for the first time because it can be very daunting. Mm. And then, as you mentioned, sort of like with the early sort of stages of, of Can't Swim, obviously it was kind of you on the laptop putting everything together in, in that sort of regard. So in terms of kind of like, I don't know, like early kind of thematics in, in the music, was there any there or was it just the case of you wanting to kind of experiment with something new? Yeah, I mean, I always say, I think like a lot of the sound of Can't Swim is like, due to inability you know it was like this is pretty much all i was capable of doing these were the notes i could hit um vocally and these are the chords that i learned you know and still to this day i don't think i'm a very advanced singer i certainly don't think i'm an advanced guitar player so yeah. i kind of just write what i can do and that uh is what can swim is and yeah there really wasn't too much pre pre you know of what i wanted to sound like or what direction it kind of just all came out this way mm. and then obviously when kind of momentum started to pick up obviously you you're now a full band and things like that and i've read that obviously the first time that you guys all played as a cohesive unit was your your first show is that true yeah well, we joke and say the very first time was the Your Clothes music video. Okay. <laughs> and it was actually, yeah, it was like kind of the first time we all, yeah, we're in the same room together. Um, but yeah, yeah, it was, it was very quick. I remember, so Danny and I recorded That Deserves a Name. He, I basically recorded everything and he produced it and, and made it uh, magic. Um, I remember he was like, all right, man, like, I mixed it, like, I mastered it, you know, I got work, and I got other things to do, like, really had fun working with you, man, and I was like, thank you so much for doing this, and then, later, I think it was, like, three weeks later, two or three weeks later, I call him, and he's like, what's up, man, like, something wrong with the MP3, <laughs> and I'm like, no, dude, like, Pure Noise wants, like, wants to sign the band, and he's just like, what the fuck, <laughs> like, yeah, and, and he was, you know, he's my age, or he's actually a year older than me, and you know, we both played in, in a bunch of bands and toured and, you know, DIY and, you know, playing in front of two people. And then yeah. I call him back, you know, a couple of days later, we don't play a show, we don't do anything, and Pure Noise is on the phone already. So, yeah, it was definitely a very interesting time. <laughs> so, tell me through how, how you kind of came to, to uh, a better term, gather sort of the members that the makeup comes from. Was it just through like networking, like that you've done previously? How did it all come about? Yeah, um, I always say that like I'm lucky that I had a little bit of power behind me. You know, I, I wasn't like, hey man, I got this guitar. You want to like be in my band in my mom's basement? You know, like <laughs> the, the label was there and um, management was jumping on board and the booking agent was already kind of on board. Um, yeah, I just got to kind of pick the all-stars, in my opinion, you know, like, kids who I grew up with, um, who I just was always very fond of their playing, always very fond of their personality and their vibe, um, yeah, I called up, I just called, I mean, I, Greg was in an amazing band in high school that I always really looked up to, I thought they were so cool, I called him up out of the blue, and he basically is like, hey, man, like, I fucking, I sold all my instruments, like, years ago. Like, I don't even really, you know, play in bands anymore. Like, I'm in college to be a psychologist. Like, and I'm like, all right, well, like, you know, we're going to tour all the time. And here's the songs. And, and he's like, oh, I thought you were just, like, saying, like, play at some, like, shitty bar in our hometown. <laughs> and, yeah, he was, he was so excited. And, 
to just to get back into playing any type of music and then you know now we do this shit all the time we do yeah. it every day so it's a yeah it was a very interesting beginning um and it still is it still feels like it's a joke sometimes like, oh damn like, <laughs> yeah. was, you know like how the hell this happened and in ter- so obviously like once kind of the ball was rolling so to say as you say like well i guess in some forms it's still very much going at full tilt but like there was very much like as you say pure noise was interested and then as soon as that happened there was already a lot of kind of fanfare around you guys straight from the off sort of thing so what what was that kind of bubble like to be inside because like from an outsider like without this kind of diminishing what you've done like it's always like you see like the next hot band and you just see the rise but i like i can never understand i always find it interesting what it's like to be on the other side of that to be inside that rise so what was it like for you um yeah to be honest again and like you said not to kind of take away from it but like i didn't really know too much about this world and um you know, not in, in an insulting way, but I, I didn't even really know what Pure Noise was. I never heard of that thing. Okay. I never really, yeah, I never really heard of any of their bands that much. It's just, you know, I was pretty disconnected with, like, that kind of thing for, you know, a few years of my life. So, obviously, it was exciting, and obviously, like, in the first phone call, me calling the guys in the band and calling my manager, he's like, no, like, you know, Pure Noise, man, they're really reputable. It's really cool. They do a lot of cool stuff. Um, but it wasn't, like, this thing that, I was, like, dreaming of since I was a kid. Like, oh, my yeah. God, you know, we got the record deal. I was just like, well, this, you know, this thing is pretty cool. Like, he's going to put out the record. He's going to help us out, get off our feet. And then when the song started coming out is when I think I started to feel like, oh, wow, like, you know, this really is, like, I saw the numbers of plays and all the Instagrams or whatever, you know, and I was like, oh, maybe this isn't going to be just you know playing a hometown show every yeah. couple months like it, it does seem like it's going to take off so um i think yeah i think until the the rest of the world started hearing it mm. like pure noise and everything it was exciting but then when it actually came out and they did such a great job with you know like advertising it and putting it out on all the socials and stuff um you know i never had anything of my own have that many plays you know <laughs> yeah. i was like oh wow you know like it's cool so um yeah it was all very fast i still think we're kind of playing catch up a little bit yeah and in terms of kind of like you said when when you were sort of forming the band you were able to kind of pick like the all-stars kind of thing but obviously with the very sort of crux of the band being your project that was started on your laptop sort of thing was it difficult thing to kind of let go of control in some aspects in in the early days um i can completely understand like where you're coming from but um obviously you do not know me at all <laughs> we, just, we just started talking on the phone an hour ago um but yeah this is not my bag i've never really been that type of person um i guess growing up for years as being you know the, the kind of the backbone and playing the drums and kind of you know being the chameleon and being told what to do um I never had much of an ego with music. Right. Or, so, no, I, I actually, on the contrary, I was like, I was excited for them to mess it up and, and, and put their own twist on it because I, I would never want to do a solo thing. You know, it, it, it seems way more rock and roll and more of a team effort to have their influences on it. Um, yeah, I remember it was very special. Like when we first got into the room together and they were playing the parts and, and the songs were like coming to life and yeah it was it was a little different you know Greg was throwing his little twang on the on the, the bass line of your clothes and I was like oh man like this is what it's supposed to be you yeah. know I don't think music in my for, for what I'm trying to do should live in a laptop and like be perfect and be you know exact every night and I think every time we play, you know, it's it's a very unique thing. Danny will do some crazy thing with his pedals, and you know, um, it's never the same show twice. So, mm. no, I, I think I was uh, excited. I certainly wasn't apprehensive to put it in their hands. And then, kind of on the on the flip, like as you mentioned, you were you've sort of been used to being the the chameleon, the backbone sort of of 
previous bands but when you first first started going out into the world as can't swim with you being kind of the focal point was that daunting what was that kind of oh like yeah you? big time <laughs> <laughs> um yeah i remember we were driving up to the first show and i was like so do I, do I like talk in between songs like what the hell am i gonna say <laughs> like you know like i had no idea i never did it in my life um but because i think of the, the relationship and connection that we all have it not to say you know we treat everything like a joke but we kind of do and like yeah. you know it, it was never like yo man like you better work on your lines in between songs like you're gonna ruin this for us you know like we're always just like, yo, man, like, just do you, do whatever, you know, like, and it was weird, like, the first, even from the very first show, it felt very comfortable with the guys oh, up there, cool. even though I've never done it in my life, it felt like, you know, we do this shit all the time, right away, so yeah. it was, uh, it's cool, very cool. And obviously now, like, even though the band is still quite, uh, in the grand scheme of things, quite a young band, obviously now got the second album out and obviously have been a cohesive band for for a little while now so in terms of when it came around to to doing that second record was it as you said earlier kind of it was nice to have the guys sort of mess things around but was it nice to for you to kind of not be the sole provider of of creativity the second time around totally yeah i mean Making Failure Again was definitely more collaborative. We did it all together. We um, took our time on it more, you know, because Death Deserves a Name. It was just like, oh, yeah, I got these songs. Maybe they'll do something one day, you know. With Failure Again, we had a budget, and we, we knew we were going to be touring. So yeah, it really felt more like a project. Um, and, yeah, like I said before, it's awesome to create shit with your friends and bounce off each other's ideas. So... Mm. And that's how it stays to this day. And in terms of kind of, I hate to use the word, but it's, it's the only way to kind of describe it. But in terms of kind of musical progression, obviously, as you say, you fell again. And then obviously now we've kind of had, well, it's been out for, oh God, how long, how long has this, wait, this two won't pass been out now? It's got to be like six to eight months. Yeah. So, yeah. So fans have obviously had had the opportunity to kind of sit sit with it now for for a while and obviously it still has that that can't swim sound but for me personally it's kind of got a bit more um i guess, I guess uh, heavier uh, heavier elements to some extent but it, i don't a bit more of a punch i guess is the best way to kind of describe it so so when you kind of came around to talking about that record was there sort of a want to go more aggressive or was it just that that was the natural path um yeah i think we we definitely gravitated towards more of my demos that had more of a punch just because um you know i think when we play live it's it's very that type of atmosphere mm. and um yeah i think failure again was pretty all over the place in a good way you know yeah. we, we, i look back at it and i love those songs but I think live and what a lot of people recognize our band for is, you know, high energy, a lot of fun at the shows, everyone's jumping around. So, um, yeah, not, not to say that I think this two on pass is less or more dynamic than our previous releases, but yeah, I definitely think we gravitated towards more of the higher energy stuff. And mm. we recorded a lot of songs. I think we recorded like 16 oh, songs wow. and I, I brought to the table like 20 demos and we basically, yeah, cut the fat and if some songs were um, right, a little bit slower or a little bit what we felt not the vibe, they kind of go on in the backseat for a little bit and mm. we just picked the 10 that we felt uh, sounded most like Can't Swim. So, mm. that was it. And you mentioned there, obviously, about the, the live show where you guys you jump around, a lot of energy sort of thing. And obviously, nowadays i've noticed that you've kind of stepped away from having the guitar with you as much like you are more a predominant vocalist sort of thing so was there a a, a predetermined choice for you to do that or is it just kind of something that you've kind of felt is a bit more necessary in the live shows like what why was that decision taken 
Yeah, it was a little bit of everything. Um, the lineup for Failure again kind of involved three guitar players. It was right. me, Danny, and Chez. Um, and then, yeah, I think it was a combination of me wanting to focus on singing, me never really feeling connected with the guitar, uh, me being annoyed when we play these tiny little venues and, like, <laughs> keep hitting each other's headstocks on each other. Um, and then, yeah, I think the guy, the rest of the guys were like, okay, like, I think it would be kind of cool for you to, you know, interact with the kids more and not have to worry about all the chords and pedal switchings. You can really, you know, be what you're up there to do is, you know, entertain and, and be involved in the show. And um, then... When this too won't pass was about to come out, or it was already out, I think. Um, we were going to California to start this full U.S. tour, and we were—I was just like, "Yeah, man, like I ain't packing up the guitar. Like I'm just gonna, <laughs> we're gonna just figure it out." And Danny and Chez kind of took the weight and and figured out which parts could be, you know, divvied up between the two of them, and then that was that. And I, you know, never say never, but I, I can, I can't imagine me going back now yeah you know, it, it feels very natural it feels three guitars is just a little too much <laughs> <laughs> and in terms of kind of going right back to, to sort of where you began kind of thing obviously i read somewhere that, that you are still very much involved in kind of the drumming and stuff when it comes to sort of writing and recording but do you do you miss playing drums live will you ever consider sort of doing that side of things again uh that that I would love to do, yeah. And I I do record some of the drums on our records and stuff, and every time I do it, I do miss it very much. Um, like I said, Can't Swim does take up a lot of my time. And yeah, the thought of doing a side project um, <laughs> yeah. is actually pain paining me. It's painful to, but I would love to get back into it. Um, but I, even just like the way I write songs, you know, it's always from the drummer's aspect so okay. i still feel very connected with it but it is a completely different beast of playing drums live and, and singing live yeah. and they both definitely have their pros and cons mm. and from where where can't swim is now obviously you've come over to the uk several times you've done you say full u.s tours and things like that obviously you have a fan base that kind of is very sort of ro loyal to you and has a connection with the lyrics that, that you're writing and sort of putting outwardly. Was there, what was the moment for you that kind of like, that you realised like, oh, people are actually not just connecting with the music, but they're connecting with what I'm saying? Um, yeah, actually, I have a very distinct memory. Um, we were playing in Cleveland, Ohio, and, uh, I was just, yeah, we were, I think, I can't remember who we were opening for, to be honest, it was already now three years ago. Yeah. Um, and, you know, you know we, we were obviously the opening band, so some nights would be duds, other nights, you know, and I'm singing, doing my thing, and I look out, and there's, like, this couple, it's like a young man and a young woman, and they're just, like, one's got his arm over her, and, and they're just, like, singing the songs along, and, um, you know, totally, like, vibing, and really seem to be enjoying it with each other and yeah it kind of just shot me back to when i was young and i was you know falling in love with like my favorite band mm. uh yeah it was it was like it was you know maybe like our second tour so it was my first like real realization of like damn like you know can't swim can be that kind of band for a young kid now mm. you know um it's cool it was it was actually a really cool moment and even stranger than that then after the show, it was the, the singer of Movements and his girlfriend. Oh, wow, okay. Yeah. And he's like, yo, I love your band. We should tour together. I was like, oh, I never really heard of you guys. And then later in life, we toured together and became friends. So it's just a very uh, interesting, interesting journey that we've been <laughs> yeah. on. But I do remember very vividly being like, damn, like, that is so cool. You know, like they came to the show. They could have been anywhere tonight. They could have been eating pizza and doing whatever but yeah. they came here to like sing along and um yeah cool man it was really cool and sort of it, along a similar line obviously like there's a lot of can't swims like songs like they have like ho hooky like 
not necessarily choruses, but like the lyrics, like you, you can sing along to them, sort of thing. And the I guess the, the the format of the band is to have that element to it. So, is it still strange for you as someone that has come from being a drummer to now seeing if we segue slightly towards two thousand trees? That there's going to be a festival where there's going to be potentially thousands of people in a field watching your band singing your lyrics back. Does that is that still a bizarre situation for you? Oh, it's 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 just as bizarre as it was that very first time that it happened. <laughs> yeah, or yeah, a dude comes up to me my age, you know, like cool looking fella, and he, like puts out his arm and he has like this massive can't swim tattoo. You know, it's it's yeah, it's, it's I mean, obviously. We are a newish band. It's only been three or something years now, but it's something that I really don't think will ever get tiresome. It's a, it's an insane, it's an insane feeling. Yeah. Um, and because because of my age and how long I've been around, it's like, you know, I know how many bands are out there. I know how many people want to do music in any regard. If it's hip hop, if it's punk rock, you know, so many people uh, are attracted to this type of art form. You know, it's so encompassing. It's like. It's so rewarding, you know. Who 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 wouldn't want to be in a band? You know? Yeah. And we're very very lucky to do it at the level that we do it. We would be lucky if we could do it at any level, you know. If it was level one and we were still just playing in our hometown, and ten kids are coming along and screaming along, because I was in bands I couldn't even get that. Yeah. <laughs> you know, like it's very very hard, you know, when it's so oversaturated and and so many people are trying to do it it's so hard to stick out you know, yeah. it's, it's hard to grab five people's attention and yeah to go to different countries and, and yeah play with massive bands that will be at 2000 trees and you know um, and almost to feel now is this is this is my job <laughs> this is what I <laughs> yeah. get to do for a quote unquote living is, is yeah man it's really cool something that I feel very honored and blessed to do and I hope that no one thinks i uh take advantage of it because yeah. i do appreciate it very much well as mentioned you guys are playing obviously the saturday of, of 2000 trees and the day which is being headlined by uh death havana so for for yourself is there any bands that you're particularly looking forward to to catching at all um i actually to be fair um we play, we've been playing a lot of festivals lately, and it's yeah. hard to remember all of them. <laughs> no, but I believe what. Frank Turner is playing. Yes, yeah. Yep, he's. I, I love his records. Um, very good friends of ours. Drug Church uh, are playing. I believe they play the day after us or before us. Um, yeah, whenever we play England, it's always uh, rewarding because I feel like you guys have a lot of good rock and roll bands. Yeah. <laughs> um, so yeah, excited. I, we've never played 2000 Trees, but it's something I've always wanted to do. I've always kind of snuck and looked at the lineup hoping Can't Swim would get on it. Um, yeah. Slam Dunk was really cool. Um, yeah, there's just so many uh, awesome festivals over there, and I think 2000 Trees is one of them, and we're psyched. Yeah, we've been looking forward to it ever since we got the email so it's going to be cool well i will recommend if you get the chance uh head to the the forest sessions so they do um they basically have like a, a tiny little stage set up in the middle of the forest yeah i've seen pictures of that so yeah cool. and it's basically all like stripped down acoustic uh sets so That's i'm awesome. i'm not sure if they've announced who's doing it this year but um Last year they had. Uh, are you familiar with Enshikari? Yeah. Yeah. So they had th them guys doing like a stripped back acoustic set, which was which was awesome. So that is yeah. awesome. So yeah, highly recommend going to check that out. Um, and then the same day as as you you guys are playing, this is going to be a personal highlight for me. But every time I die, are doing hot diamond oh, for man. the best, so, they are the best ever. Yeah. So that's going to be pretty pretty kick ass. Um, yeah. Before I sort of round things up, Chris, obviously you guys, you mentioned that sort of you're kind of writing and recording again already, which seems bizarre to me because the album's not even that, that long I out know, sort of thing. Um, but can you give us any hints of, of what sort of things you're going for in the new material? Is there any themes you're pulling from at all? Uh, certainly, yeah. It's a, 
it's definitely probably going to be our most most different release. Um, uh, yeah, lyrically, it's a little bit different. I touch on uh, a lot of subjects that I've never touched on previous. Um, it's not so much relationship quarrels. It's more political and, right. and things I feel about the world. Um, yeah, there's not much I can say, I guess, without sounding very contrite and lame but it is, it is very very different it is very jarring it's um yeah it's it's a lot more uh it's a lot yeah I, I, it's a lot different <laughs> i mean it will it'll be out soon enough and you can you can see what i mean um, <laughs> but i i am excited to kind of push the boundaries of of what we can do musically and i also would love to, uh, yeah, see what our little fan base and the kids who are into our band uh, make of it. And yeah, it's uh, I'm excited. I can't wait to kind of show what we got cooking up. Cool. Um, Chris, how I like to, to end things is to ask my guests um, what their favorite song is, but with a little bit of a twist. Okay. So what is your favorite Can't Swim song that you like to play live and why? sucker for stranger yeah uh, i've always loved that song i didn't know it was gonna be kind of a single off that record i just always really liked the lyrics and felt very proud of it and then uh yeah just seeing kids like sing along to it every night is very very cool i'd yeah. say stranger perfect brilliant chris thank you very much for your time really looking forward to seeing you guys at 2000 trees um and yeah all the best in the future Thank you very much, man. I appreciate you taking the time. No worries. Take care, dude. You as well. Cheers. Bye. So there we have it, folks. A massive thanks to Chris for taking some time to have a little chat with me. Uh, as mentioned, Can't Swim are playing 2003's festival this year, uh, but they're doing a few dates around that, so I'll put the, the dates and locations in the description of this episode, along with uh, the band's various social media platforms. Um, next week, we'll be doing a 2003's uh, review episode, so keep an eye out for that. Um, might be a solo effort, might be with Sean from Already Heard, might be with someone else, I'm not too sure yet, but we'll wait and see. But regardless, there'll be a review episode going out next week. Um, but yeah, until then, thanks again for stopping by the Justin Insight podcast, and I'll see you soon. Mm-hmm.